Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the RPG Companion Podcast, the companion podcast to Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, I talk about all things Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm going to be starting to talk about Pathfinder as well too, first and second edition. Pretty soon. Um, it has been a while since I've done one of these shows. Uh, these shows have always typically taken a little bit longer. I've actually had this script written for... A few months now, it's just been with the way the world has gone a little bit topsy-turvy, and I've been pumping out a lot of uh, other Magic with Zuby episodes, as well as starting a new little podcast called Magic for Normies, as well as my 10 Street Hooligans. It's been um, been a little bit busy as far as the content creation part goes, and then also with the world going crazy, um, I figured, you know what? Let me record this podcast here because this is going to be part three of the character creation for D&D 5th edition. But let's get a little bit of announcements out of the way. Uh, This podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at MagicWithZuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And let's get a few ads out of the way and then we will begin uh, our talking about playing your character in D&D. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at Legit. MTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing. And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... A normie? Yeah, exactly! A normie! Well, have I got the show for you. The all-new Magic for Normies show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic, magic for, for Normies! normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, pixiekittenplays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic with Zuby RSS feed. Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Magic for normies. Alright, so this will be part three in our character creation series where we'll be going over how to play your character in D&D 5th edition. So if you remember, uh, the first two parts of the series was first part going over the character sheet because let's be honest, for new players, that can be pretty daunting and confusing on understanding what all the character sheet means. And then also part two was creating your character because once again, if you're a new player, creating a character is not very easy and straightforward. And sometimes the player's handbook 
isn't always so straightforward as well too. So this episode, it may be a little bit shorter as we're going to be going over how to play your character in D&D 5th edition. So one of the first things that I always recommend doing for my players and what I do if I'm playing as well is working with my DM is one, figuring out what kind of character do I want to play? Do I want to play a character that, you know, helps fit the mold of the group, you know, maybe provide some healing or some DPS or being a tank? And those are World of Warcraft terms, I know. Or um, do I want to have make sure I have an interesting backstory to, you know, really just fill out that role playing for the group as well too. Um, any kind of backstory that you have or any kind of idea you have, make sure working with your DM is top priority because if it's a, first of all, you need to figure out what setting it is. If it's a homebrew setting, the backstory you may have, you know, it could be sort of a more generic backstory and you just sort of mold it into the world that your DM has come up with. Or if it's something like Forgotten Realms, um, and if you're not too familiar with Forgotten Realms, it's really best to ask your DM, okay, well, what about Forgotten Realms should I know or be aware of? Or if you are familiar with Forgotten Realms, figure out what time period of Forgotten Realms it's set in. Um, and, and that's true for any kind of setting, whether you're playing a magic setting in Ravnica or the new Theros coming out, is really try to figure out what's going on in the world around you and Either your backstory could be as something as, okay, I'm a villager and I decided to take up the call to adventure, right? Or I've been a soldier in this, you know, army and I'm seeing how corrupt it's become and I've decided to leave and try to stop it. Something like that. Uh, definitely always recommend working with your DM on that. And then always make sure you check with your DM on the type of character you wish to play. Um, never assume that the character you're going to play is going to work. So example I always like to come up with is when I have new players come to my game I typically don't care what race or class they're gonna be but I always warn them if you want to make something like a goblin fighter and you're gonna be joining a party full of humans that may be a little bit tough to join because depending on what setting and what world you know typically goblins are gonna be considered evil and malicious right now that's not true for every single world out there and not true for all goblins but you want to always check with your dm like hey i want to make a goblin fighter is that going to be okay and every time i've told players that they want to do that i've told them well listen you can you can 100 make a goblin fighter but the other players their characters may not react well to that and I, I always try to tell my players, you know, let's keep, you know, let's try not to make anything personal here. This is role playing, but let's also not be assholes at the same time. Um, so that is something you want to really check with your DM. If you find a really cool combination like, I don't know, Orc Paladin or something like that, check with your DM first before you go and make the character and all that. The next little step we're going to be talking about is how to play your character. Now, this is something I see all too often and all too common in a lot of players that come to my table. Now, I play at an LGS, meaning 
I don't exactly have the choice of who my players are. Now I can decide because I'm there to help my LGS and I've been working on building up my local D&D scene um, before all this COVID mess, but I've been working on trying to build it up and get players started. And, you know, I welcome new players. I, I, I don't care what kind of player you are. I've only had to kick, you know, one person off my table before. And that was, I, I think I actually had a whole episode about that. Yeah, I did. Uh, but, you know, I I don't really get to pick and choose who my players are, but I see a lot of this all too often is they will come up, create a character, they say, yeah, 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 I know how to play, know how to play, and then they don't know how to play their character at all. So I feel, and a lot of them feel like the onus is on the DM to explain every single ability the player does. No, a little bit of the onus does need to be on you. The DM definitely needs to be familiar with your character and their abilities and make sure that you're not breaking the game or anything like that. But as a player, you should know your character, meaning you should know all the skills, all the features, all the spells, all the attacks your character can do. Knowing this not only helps you, it helps your teammate and teammates, and it helps your DM as well, too, and helps speed up gameplay without having to look in a book um and not you know even me when i'm playing um when it especially in terms of combat is i'm deciding what i'm going to be doing ahead of time i'm paying attention to what everyone else is doing in case my game plan changes and then when it comes my turn it's like all right i know exactly what i'm doing boom 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 my turn last less than a minute because I'm doing my attacks, I'm doing my spells, whatever it may be, and then boom, done. Too often there, and you know, a lot of DMs and even a lot of players out there can, will know that there are just some players out there that just, when it's their turn, they're not paying attention, then they're just like, uh, what do I do? It's, you know, you, you need to be paying attention to it and you need to understand what you can do and help speed up the gameplay of it. You know, and that brings on to understanding your character's strength and weaknesses as well, too, even outside of combat. So, you know, let's just take Bob the Wizard, right? He is very good at investigating. So when you guys are all in a room and there's a puzzle to solve, right? Bob the Wizard is probably the best one to try to figure out that investigation check, right? He may have the highest investigation while the, you know, Bill the Barbarian, you know, is not very smart at all. He's got a negative two modifier to intelligence, right? Um, but you also have to understand your character would not be ideal for bashing a door open with brute strength. So it's not only knowing your character in combat, but also out of combat and understanding what they can and can't do really helps speed up the game and makes things a lot quicker and more fun. So you can get more stuff done, right? Um, as I was talking about before, planning your combat turns during combat is extremely important. Um, paying attention to what's going on in the battle is very important just so when it comes to your turn you can just boom go do it and then get on with it because let's all let's all you know say we've we've all had combats that really should only have lasted maybe 30 45 minutes but end up to be two hours because of just reasons people going so slow not understanding what to do or having to constantly look up rules it can just slow things down so that's why i say it's really 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 important to understand all your characters abilities i, I don't know how many times i can 
reiterate that. And then lastly, work together with your team. Very, very, very important. There are too many times where people will try to treat this like League of Legends will try to carry a whole you know, one player will try to carry the whole group and be the hero and all that. stuff. And I'm not saying that's not warranted because there's times where that happens. You know, everybody's down and there's only one character left. And you know, that's fine. I'm, I'm not saying anything bad against that. But when you've got the one character who is just not really following suit and just kind of doing their own thing or not helping out, that can lead to some bad vibes around the table. And a lot of people will you know not take too kindly to that because next time you're in trouble they may not be so apt to help you because they may think oh well you didn't help us before you just sort of sat back and did nothing so you know learning how to play well with others learning to play as a team is so important planning you know what you're gonna do is so important and it's it's a really good feeling as a dm when you make this encounter and you know, your your players are just going to be like, all right, well, we're going to do this, 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 and that, and boom, they're able to defeat that encounter so easily when you thought, okay, they may have a hard time with this. That's so much fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. All right, so lastly, we are going to be talking about understanding your turn in combat, and this is really, really important to helping you plan your turn in combat and understanding what your character can and can't do. So every single character in a turn of combat has three basic things they can do action bonus action and movement and they can be done at any time during your turn you can decide to attack a person and then move and then do a bonus action or what you can do is you can so let's say your speed is 30 feet you can move 15 feet attack and then move back 15 feet as well too and do a bonus action as well so you can do those in any order. Uh, I have, I'm going to put a link into the show notes of this little uh, description guide for a lot of the stuff that you can do uh, for, you know, each one for movement, bo- action, and bonus action. But there are a few other things that happen as well, too, during the initiative turn of combat as well. And those are reactions. And those could be something like Hellish Rebuke or Attack of Opportunities that happen. So there are certain characters and pretty much all characters get something called an an Attack of Opportunity. So when a creature comes into your space and attacks you and then decides to leave your space, you have what's called an Attack of Opportunity, meaning you get to roll an attack roll and see if you hit them as they're running away from you. Now, hostile creatures also get that same ability as well too but one thing you have to remember is you only get one reaction per turn unless stated otherwise now there are other creatures out there that can get multiple reactions per turn because they may have legendary actions or legendary abilities something like that so but for the majority of the time you're only going to ever have one reaction unless stated otherwise and most of the time it's going to be mainly either used for a reaction spell like hellish rebuke or an attack of opportunity uh, some of the other things i want to go over are other kind of conditions or environmental effects that may affect your turn of combat <clears throat> So 
So conditions that may affect your turn during combat are as followed are blinded, grappled, poisoned, charmed, incapacitated, prone, deafened, invisible, restrained, exhaustion, paralyzed, stunned, frightened, petrified, or unconscious. So without getting too deep into what all of those do, so a condition is going to be something that's imposed on your character. Let's take poisoned, for instance, right? So someone poisons you with a dagger or a bow and arrow, and then you're now going to be poisoned and it's up to you and your DM to remember that you're poisoned because that could be you have disadvantage on attack rolls or ability checks or you have fallen asleep right or you are invisible you can't be seen and you need to make sure that you and your DM are aware of that and the other players as well too so the other kind of effects that are out there are environmental effects and depending on where you are when you're fighting that can be very very detrimental or a positive to your character because if you're playing a ranger with favorite terrain and if you're in the favorite terrain of choice then you'll have some bonuses along with that if you are a human and you're fighting in a dark cave and you don't have dark vision then you're going to have some disadvantage on attack rolls or being able to see things as well so it's really understanding all of those things those conditions those environmental effects understanding what kind of movement and actions and bonus actions you can do are extremely important to being able to play there's a little uh guide i'm going to be sending out in the show notes is very 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 important for even new and existing you know old veteran players will you know use as well too that i can see i can see myself using actually i do have something like that i think printed out down on my shelf there um that i use just for like reminders of what you can and can't do like during your movement like a lot of times people forget okay you know yeah you can do a long jump or a high jump during your movement action it's going to take away a lot of your speed your movement speed but you can also crawl or drop prone and do a grapple move as well too um you know there's a lot more in your action abilities as well too besides just doing a melee or ranged attack there's shove grapple uh dash there's a disengage dodge escape there's a hide there's a search there's an improvise there's a ready there's using a class feature using a shield something there's a lot of stuff out there it's just having to remember that you can do that so one last thing i want to touch upon before we end uh, this episode today is talking about readying or holding an action uh typically it technically written as per the book it is readying an action but a lot of people say okay i'm gonna hold my action and you know you can use the two you know interchangeably it doesn't matter but typically you'd want to do a ready to action let's say you were the very first person to go on combat and you sort of want to wait and see what the enemy's going to do, right? Because they may not go until four or five people down. So let's say you're a spellcaster, right? I'm Bob the Wizard and I've got a fireball ready, but I don't want to do a fireball yet because I'm unsure what the whole enemy's, what all the enemies are going to do yet. And they're not clumped up together for me to do a good fireball. So I'm going to wait for them and you tell your damn, all right, I'm going to ready an action, right? You can tell them I'm going to ready a fireball or I'm going to ready an action, right? So the thing to remember with readying an action is um you also you get basically your whole turn at that point so you have to let's say you know you're first and then you know you know you're jill and greg or 
you know, second and third, and then the enemies are going, right? The enemies are all starting to go. They're starting to come up to you guys and starting to attack. And then, boom, right after that, you can then use your reaction to start doing your readied action, which is you're going to start moving and you're going to cast Fireball, right? And boom, there you go. The one thing to remember, though, is if at the bottom of the turn you have not used your readied action, that's it. You've basically forfeited your turn at that point, and it goes back to the top of initiative, and that readied action you were wanting to do does not happen anymore. So typically, if you were the very last person in initiative, it, there's really kind of no point in readying an action because as soon as that initiative turn is over, that's it. Your readied action is gone. So readying an action is more useful for people that are more at the top of the turns of, of initiative more so than the people who are at the bottom of initiative so that's the last thing i wanted to talk about in today for writing an action and understanding your turn in combat and the very last thing i want to mention before we go is just have fun uh, that is the point of D&D. It's not meant to be a competitive game. It's meant to have fun with you and your friends, get around and tell an awesome, fun story together, whatever you're playing. And thank you all for watching and listening to this episode of RPG Companion. Uh, I do have another one planned. My next episode is going to be uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition and D&D 5th Edition the differences between the two and i have i've read back and forth the pathfinder second edition book i've sort of been going working on the script right now and just really going back and forth um it's made me really really want to play pathfinder second edition now and i hopefully i get a game sometime this year um <laughs> but uh who knows with all this covid mess but thank you all for listening and watching and greatly appreciate it and if you want to help support the show in any way uh you know it's not necessary but you can check out the show's patreon at patreon.com slash magic and thank you again for watching and listening and have a great day